Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover, and with me is our host and teacher, Chris Katulka. While parts of the U.S. are opening up, we're still producing this program from our homes. We're so thankful that we've been able to continue to bring you new episodes of the Friends of Israel Today during this time of uncertainty. Perhaps you're feeling fearful or uncertain yourself. We want to pray for you here. When you visit our website at foiradio.org, there's a prayer form you can fill out, and when we receive those prayers, we will pray for you privately. These prayers will not be mentioned on air, but our team will bring them before our loving Heavenly Father. And thank you to all of you that have already contacted us and asked for prayer. It's been a real joy for our team to join in prayer with you. Also, while you're at foiradio.org, you can watch some interviews Chris did with our frequent guests and colleagues. Yeah, first let me say, uh, Steve, Sarah, uh, Tom, and myself, we just spent time together uh, praying for the prayers that came in. We do individually take time to stop and to pray uh, for those prayers that come in. Also, uh, I encourage you to go to foiradio.org, not just simply to fill out the prayer form, but also you can watch some interviews that I've done online uh, with uh, Steve Herzig talking about the, the history of anti-Semitism, the history of uh, blaming the Jewish people for plagues and viruses and epidemics like the one that we're going through right now. Uh, so I encourage you to go listen to that. Also, we've had Pastor Menno Kalischer from the Jerusalem Assembly, the House of Redemption, uh, one of our church planters in Israel, on to talk about doing ministry in Israel during this epidemic, and also uh, uh, an unnamed pastor that's serving in Israel as well. So I want to encourage you to go to foiradio.org to fill out our prayer form and also to watch some of these interviews that we've had a chance to do uh, while we've been uh, away at our homes. Uh, So today on the program, I'm actually very excited to have Simon Lowry, who's our representative, our field representative in New Zealand on to talk about a new ministry he has ministering to Israeli backpackers. We're excited to have Simon with us. But first in the news, as coronavirus continues to spread globally, the need for ventilators is critical in developing countries. Currently, the entire continent of Africa has just 2,000 working machines. An Israeli do-it-yourself ventilator blueprint is currently being used to help Africa. The engineers of the blueprints come from Israeli tech, military, and medical sectors, and they believe their blueprint can produce a ventilator for as little as $500. Steve, I was actually reading that the state of Israel has more ventilators than the entire continent of Africa. And so it's amazing to think that these Israelis are actually providing blueprints that are open source. So this means that they are free. Any builder can take these Israeli blueprints and produce an inexpensive ventilator. And that means that these Israeli inventors are asking for no money at all. They only want to help those in need of ventilators the most. Uh, The blueprints were actually downloaded 19,000 times in the first hour, and more than 300 teams are currently building prototypes from these blueprints. I just want to say thank you to Israel and to those inventors and the military and the medical sectors and the Israeli tech sectors for helping those who are in need. Every so often, we like to highlight one of the ministries of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. Uh, We're a worldwide evangelical ministry that ministers all around the world to our Jewish friends Um, And, you know, today uh, I am honored to have on the line with us uh, someone from literally the other side of the world um, as I'm getting ready to close my day out here uh, in New Jersey. He's just getting ready to start his day 
in New Zealand. And so Simon Lowry is our ministry representative in New Zealand. And uh, Simon, I want to welcome you to the program. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you, Chris. It's uh, good to be with you and good to be with your listeners. Uh, Simon, uh, number one, you, uh, you're ministering in New Zealand. Uh, I, I want to find out from you, how, how does someone from New Zealand, and I believe this is true, you can correct me, but you are someone, you're a Kiwi. You are someone who was born in New Zealand. Absolutely. And then, that's right. And then a proud Kiwi and then moved over to Australia, but felt the call to want to serve Israel and the Jewish people. Can you talk about that call and how you ended up back in New Zealand? Well, it was a, 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 an amazing journey. I um I spent the first almost 18 years of my life uh, in New Zealand. I grew up here and uh, did my schooling here in Christchurch in the South Island. And uh, I became a believer um, about 11 years of age. And I um, was one of those kids that uh, I'd grown up in, 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 in church my whole life. Uh, but after I became a Christian, I remember I got a Thompson Chain reference Bible. I don't know if you remember those. a kind of second rate to uh, a Ryrie study Bible. But anyway, it had a lot of pictures in it. And uh, it was in those pictures that, that, that there were archaeological sites of Israel, pictures of places like Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And I really think that that Bible helped me uh, join the dots between something that I knew in my head and something that I sort of thought were fantasy stories uh, to really connect my faith and bring it into a sort of a reality. And uh, I re remember, I guess a lot of us are visual learners, but that really helped me connect and say, you know what, this, this, is, this is real. These are real places. These are real people. This was a real event or these were real events. And that really shaped and helped me. And then in my early teens, I remember uh, a guy came to our church. Uh, you don't remember those guys? And they, they used to come to the gospel service at night, and he had this endless slide collection from a, a recent trip to Israel. He, he was kind of one of the earlier people that could afford to go to Israel, and he brought back all of these slides. I remember as a kid thinking, will this ever end? But, you know, it actually impacted my life. Um, as once again I was seeing these pictures of, not just archaeological remains this time, but actually really real stories of how God was bringing the Jews back into the land and how the land was coming alive and beginning to flourish and the fulfillment to prophecy, something for which, you know, I, uh, I, I really loved as a kid and something that really grabbed my attention. And so I guess my understanding increased about how God was fulfilling that Bible prophecy. And um, then I was more challenged to pray for Israel and love the Jewish people. And, and I think that developed as I did more formal study. You know, there was this, this journey that God brought me on. And then uh, because of that love for Israel, eventually it was through Dr. Dean Woods um, in Australia uh, who came to me and said, would you be interested or consider uh relocating back to New Zealand and, and, and reopening the work that once began uh, in the late 80s in New Zealand uh, with uh, the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. And I'd known Dean through my time with uh, uh, Adelaide College of Ministries, um, and it was just a real honor to eventually come on board and to begin serving. We relocated in, in 2016, and uh, it's been a real joy. And in fact, you know, just a, an exciting opportunity to serve with uh, FOI. In New Zealand, and we're seeing great things starting to happen. Now, I, I can remember fondly meeting you for the first time, and, and I believe that was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and uh, had a chance to hear your heart for Israel and the Jewish people. And I'm interested, this is several years ago that I met you for the first time, but uh, you've been with Friends of Israel for some years now. Uh, how has the Jewish community of New Zealand responded 
to your ministry with the Friends of Israel? Well, it's not a big Jewish community in New Zealand, somewhere between six to 10,000 who identify as Jewish. There's obviously many who, who probably don't, um, uh, but uh, the community is relatively small, particularly in the synagogues and um, in the ultra-Orthodox community. And so we've had numerous interactions with the Jewish community, particularly more so here in Auckland, and uh, mostly through attending various events, you know, occasional events like Holocaust Remembrance, Solidarity events, that kind of thing. And our faces have become, I guess, more familiar with uh, those among the, the community. So th there's great opportunity that we have in building relationships and building solidarity. I've met the Israeli ambassador several times here in New Zealand, and um, uh, we've had uh, uh, mutually encouraging times together. Uh, he has openly stated that it's the Christian community he's met here uh, in New Zealand, particularly after what happened with the uh, UN Resolution 2334 back in 2016, when New Zealand sponsored that, uh, and he was recalled, it caused a diplomatic incident. But he, he has really begun to see that the Christian community are the true friends of Israel, and he's openly stated that. And uh, that's a that's a that's positive, a positive testimony. testimony for sure that you stand alongside Israel and the Jewish people. And you know, this is where I kind of want to bridge to the next section uh, of what we're going to talk about here, because you have been ministering to the the relatively small community of of New Zealand, as you were saying, but you've had an amazing impact already. But you you had a bigger vision as well. And uh, with just a few moments remaining in this first segment here, uh, your vision wasn't just to minister to the people, uh, the Jewish community of New Zealand. You had even a bigger thought in mind when it came to New Zealand and ministering, and that actually had to do with Israelis. Uh, can you talk about, just briefly, in this few moments that we have left, uh, the Meet at the Mountain program? We're going to come back on the second half and the second half of the program to talk about it more, but why don't you introduce us to Meet at the Mountain? Yeah, look, I think, it, you know, it came clear, very clear to me based on what I was seeing with a large number of young Israelis traveling to New Zealand, you know, after they complete their Israel Defense Force service, that there's an opportunity or was an opportunity for us to do more than just host them in our home. And so it occurred to me that most of the tourists that visit New Zealand are super interested in Lord of the Rings, Chris, yeah. uh, and, the Ho and the Hobbit movies, right? Yeah. And uh, they were filmed here, of course, in New Zealand. I'm sure you're aware that um, they love the outdoors, the Israelis as well, and they love hiking, which we call tramping, by the way, here in New Zealand. And so right in, in the middle of the North Island of New Zealand is Mount Doom, as it's called in the movies. And it's uh, there's a great one-day walk uh, that you can take, and it's like you're on another planet. And it's one of the best uh, uh, one-day walks, uh, well, arguably the best one-day walk in New Zealand. Around 50-plus thousand people do it every year uh, in the summer months, and it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And in my research, I found almost all Israelis have this place to visit on their bucket list. They want to see Mount Doom. Uh, now, Mount Doom, of course, is, is actually, it's a, it's a volcano, right? It's a, um, it's actually, its real name is is Mount Narahoe. Uh, you can Google Mount Doom on Google Maps and it'll take you to Mount Narahoe, which is one of three active volcanoes in this region uh, or in this particular area. And that's what they come to see. But in my research, I found, obviously, that's where they wanted to go. And it occurred to me uh, that we could set something up in that area. Okay, and hold on a minute, though, because we want to talk about what that thing is. But first, we're going to take a quick break, Simon. So hang on for a moment. We're speaking with Simon Lowry, who is our representative uh, for Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry in New Zealand. He's talking about his new amazing ministry that he just piloted and launched a couple weeks ago. We're going to talk about how it went, meet at the mountain as he ministers to Israeli backpackers. My friends, be sure to stick around because you're not going to want to miss this. 
Chris, it's a real joy to hear you interviewing Simon, and we'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, he's ministering to Israeli backpackers in unique ways. And can you tell our listeners a little bit about how they can support the work in Australia and New Zealand if they've been moved by what Simon's been saying? Yeah, I think this is an amazing ministry to think that uh, most of the time, if you think about doing Israeli ministry, you go to Israel to do Israeli ministry. But that's not the way that God's been working. It's amazing how Israeli young adults are going out to the world uh, to experience life before they enter into a, maybe a family or they start a career or something of that nature. And it's in these moments that uh, our Australia and New Zealand team are really uh, ministering to those Israeli backpackers. And so if this is something that you think interests you, how our Australia and New Zealand team are ministering to Israelis who are on a backpacking adventure, uh, I want to encourage you to go to foiradio.org. Uh, and there you can not only pray for our team that is serving in Australia and New Zealand, but you can also financially support them as well to get behind this ministry, to continue to not only promote the truth about Israel and the Jewish people, but to also show and share the love of Jesus, the Messiah. Yeah, to support our work in Australia and New Zealand, visit foiradio.org to learn more. Welcome back, everyone. We are speaking to Simon Lowry, who is our ministry representative in New Zealand. And uh, Simon, can you talk about why does the average Israeli young adult end up as a backpacker in New Zealand? Can you connect the dots for our listeners there? Well, they're usually around uh, anything between sort of 22 to 24, 25 years of age. Uh, the ones that come to New Zealand are usually what we would sort of call um, middle to high income earning families. That's their background. So they are uh, people who have had money. Uh, some of them have worked in order to be able to travel, but they are uh, Coming to New Zealand is not a cheap option. So, you know, if they want cheap options, they go to India, they go maybe to South America or other parts of the world when they leave the IDF. New Zealand's a more expensive place, so it tends to appeal more to those who have a little bit more um, uh, resources to be able to come. And that makes them, obviously, they're also more educated. Uh, they have a lot of questions. Uh, they are looking to get out of the bubble of Israel, which is a very small place, but they want the beauty and the... Uh, I guess, the tranquility and the safety of a place like New Zealand, hence they come here. So, uh, But they're, they're, they're tremendously, um, what I would call, engaged in understanding more about their identity and you know, asking the big questions of life when they come. So it's a wide open opportunity. And can I say this too? I know, I know for certain that this is, it's not just New Zealand uh, where Israelis go to. They go to uh, India, they come to America, they go down to South America. Yeah. They really travel all around the world. In fact, uh, one of our very own pastors that we have in Israel, uh, when he was, uh, after he served in the IDF, he got out of the IDF and uh, really, this journey that we're talking about here, where they might go to New Zealand, they might go to India, they might go to America or South America, uh, really, like you said, they're asking the big questions, and somebody actually gave him a Bible, and he read it the whole time that he traveled, and it was through that kind of struggle that he was going through on his travels outside of Israel where he came to know the Lord. And I think that's the kind of place that you're trying to invite Israelis into in this meet at the mountain ministry that you started. So could you talk about uh, what, what happens when an Israeli steps foot at uh, meet at the mountain? Well, let me just say, firstly, you know, 
uh, a lot of people might be um, uh, wondering how we arrived at the name Meet at the Mountain. And it really came from reading uh, Exodus chapter 19, verse 17, and uh, where it says, Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Of course, that mountain was Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was a scary place. I don't know if you remember, Chris, but, uh, you know, we read later on in the book of Hebrews that it was a place for which the, they begged Moses to talk to God on their behalf because they were so frightened. Uh, and it was considered to be a real mountain of dread. Uh, there was lightning and thunder. I mean, you could think if you looked at it you you know, and read it, you would think that God was meeting them at a volcano or at a place like Mount Doom. So that's how we, we came at the mountain, uh, uh, meet at the mountain. Um, but... Uh, you know, we needed uh, a location. We needed to have uh, the, the accommodation. So just to give you an idea, we wanted to provide them with three nights free accommodation, a place they could come, uh, cook uh, their own meals, have a hot shower, uh, and provide them some transport to and from the mountain. Um, and, uh, you know, amazingly, God opened the door for us to run this pilot, as you've said, and uh, we were just blown away at what the Lord did uh, in only two weeks, uh, Chris, uh, that we had to do the pilot before the coronavirus cut it short. Um, so we were able to rent a campsite nearby. Uh, you, you know the old adage, Chris, you know, uh, build it and they will come. Yes. But there's always that little lurking doubt. What if they don't? <laughs> uh, you, you know, and uh, it takes faith, but we... We believed and trusted God. We had a lot of people praying as well, and they did come. And the preparation that we did beforehand paid off. I was um, uh, really blessed to see that uh, before the pilot was cut short, we actually had two incredible Shabbat dinners, uh, everybody cooking. Uh, we, we hosted almost 40 Israelis. We could have hosted more had we more resources. Uh, we, we, we could have uh, hosted at least 50 or 60 in those two weeks. I remember one night, this guy, he cooked the most beautiful loaf of bread that we broke as part of the uh, the blessing for Shabbat. Um, and, and, you know, we just had this... Uh, this intimate time of uh, fellowship was amazing. And, you know, the majority of these young people, Chris, that come are liberal secular Jews. They're fresh out of the army. They usually are cohabiting with their girlfriend or boyfriend. They're traveling around the uh, country in self-contained vans. Um, and, and, and when they come to us, we get this picture of the fact that they don't feel or don't even really believe they need God. Um, we also get some who are religious and want to keep kosher, but the majority by far are secular Jews. I remember this young guy, his name was Kamel. Uh, almost the whole time he was with us, he was wrestling with this question, which you can imagine they all ask is, why are you doing this, right? And uh, throughout the time that he was with us, he, he kept asking different questions. Tell me about these evangelical Christians, he said, you know, because they've heard that evangelical Christians love Israel, right? And then at breakfast on the next day before he was leaving, we're in this conversation about Yeshua and the fact that he was the only way for which a person could be saved. And I could see that he was getting agitated. Eventually, he couldn't contain his anger anymore. He, you could see it building up. He said, we don't want to be religious. He said, the Orthodox want us just to follow all of their rules. They hate the gays. And then on he went. And he, you get this emotion poured out of him, right? And straight away, we realized that his connection to faith or belief was what he saw from the religious Jews in Israel. And what he was saying to us was, Christianity seemed too easy. Judaism was too hard. And neither could be right 
in his mind. And so uh, it came to this point where he said, I just want to live my life my own way and do what I want to do. And, you know, this outburst was a real, you know, some people would have found it confronting. But, of course, you know, these young Jewish, they're emotional, they're uh, engaged, they love to ask hard questions. And so you have to sort of get through that. Uh, but it's just a wonderful opportunity because you get a window into the true heart of a young, secular, irreligious Jew uh, that wants to really understand more about who he is, where they're going, and uh, what this faith is all about, and why they're loved by this group of people called Christians, you know, evangelical Christians. Yeah, I mean, the Meet at the Mountain program is really a precipice for their life because now everything, they've done their service, they've done their 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 uh, duty to their to their country and now they have to start life really and th- this is a great time for uh you know uh the the word of god to be speaking into their life and i love that we're able to provide uh a resource for them to come and and we provide the shelter for them we provide the experience for them and and it really opens up the opportunity for us to be able to minister in a gentle way and even just to let people vent too like that i think that's fantastic to be honest with who they are and who god is and so simon uh really quick because we only have a moment left what's the future for meet at the mountain well, uh, you know, right now there uh, it's it's a little uncertain um, exactly when international travel is going to resume to the point that Israelis can once again come down under. Uh, what we do know is that they will be chomping at the bit to do so, and we want to be ready. Um, so our hope is that if not before Christmas this year, then certainly early next year, uh, potentially, then Israelis will be able to make their way to New Zealand. New Zealand is almost free of coronavirus, by the way. Uh, we will be a destination for which uh, could um, they could partner with if they're also free of coronavirus. And so uh, the potential is for New Year. Chris, you know, there's a second part to this meet at the mountain, you know, uh, the book of Hebrews said, uh, you know, the writer said, you have come to Mount Zion, a city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. I really want to help your listeners understand that, you know, what was a scary thing for the early ancestors when they met God uh, is a place of grace and a place of hope when they find Mount Zion. It's an incredible story. So if people can pray for us, if people can um, support us financially. Uh, if people can um, show an interest in, and get involved, we, we at some point we're going to need some more helpers, some more uh, particularly uh, suitable uh, volunteers, then uh, we want to get the word out there, whether it be in America, whether it be in Israel, whether it be in different parts of the world, people can um, become involved through prayer, through giving and supporting this work. It's an incredible privilege to be doing this work and having these young Israelis come here. That's fantastic, Simon. And listen, if you're listening right now and this Meet at the Mountain ministry is something that interests you, I want to encourage you to go to foiradio.org. We'll have a link for you to get to ways that you can support the work that Simon is doing in New Zealand right now uh, to continue the ministry at Meet at the Mountain, which I think is so important to be right in New Zealand ministering to the Israelis that are journeying all around the world at that time. A fantastic ministry. Simon, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join me and, uh, and, and to continue to pray for you and your ministry in New Zealand and especially the program Meet at the Mountain. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome, Chris. Thank you.
Thank you for being with us today. Chris, next week we're addressing an important but little-known history that surrounds modern Israel. Yeah, we are going to be looking at the San Remo Agreement. And if you're going, what in the world are you talking about? The San Remo Agreement is actually a very important international document that came out of World War I that gave permission for the Jewish people to start a a country, to have an independent Jewish state. So I hope that you tune in because they're going to be celebrating 100 years since the San Remo Agreement. It's going to be a great episode. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallion, co-written by Sarah Fern. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong, and I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide evangelical ministry proclaiming biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while bringing physical and spiritual comfort to the Jewish people. 